You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. My experience, the Beatitudes are some of the most beautiful and least understood words that Jesus ever spoke. Remember as a kid attending a summer camp that had the Beatitudes as a theme for the camp and about two days into it after two full days of 20-year-old counselors trying to stumble through explaining these difficult sayings to elementary school kids, they just gave up, said, don't worry about it kids, Jesus loves you, you'll be okay. And that was the end of the Beatitudes. But there's got to be something here for Jesus wouldn't have founded his sort of immensely approachable teaching upon some um, obscure, unapproachable poetry. So what is he telling us uh, in, these, in these sayings, these mysterious sayings? Well, as he is, as it, as it might seem, I want to start with some language and then a little bit of history to sort of give us some context for the Beatitudes and hopefully we can approach them that way. Figure your father Beretta's flock, and he's a very he's a history buff, so you can handle this sort of thing. I think we'll begin with the first word of the Beatitudes. Uh, the Greek word is makarios, and we see it translated here as blessed. Or blessed are the poor, and I think that's a pretty good translation. It kind of gets at what we're trying to say. It's often rendered as happy, which I think misses the mark entirely. So we won't talk about that. But then. Fortunate is another word that we often translate makarios into English. I think that's actually maybe the most fitting translation for this, uh, for these these phrases. And why is that? Because the person who is fortunate has possession of something, some good that many desire to have, but they cannot obtain for whatever reason. So the fortunate person has possession of a good that people want. Yet when we think of the Beatitudes and what Jesus is saying, you know, blessed are the poor, the meek, those who are persecuted, those don't seem to us to be fortunate people. It's an unusual thing at best. The Greeks, in the time of Jesus, would have called the gods makarios. The gods were the blessed. They were the fortunate ones. Why was that? Because they were immortal. Because death comes for everyone except the gods. And death is no friend. Uh, when In the story of Odysseus traveling down into Hades, into the underworld, the land of the dead, and he's meeting all of these great figures of Greek history and, and talking to them. And, and he meets Achilles. Achilles, the greatest warrior in the history of the world, and tells him of how his fame has not dwindled. It's, it's grown, in fact, and he's... And everybody loves Achilles and telling his story. Uh, So in that sense, he's sort of immortal. But Achilles says, this is his answer, I'd rather be a slave on earth for another man, for some dirt poor tenant farmer who scrapes to keep alive, than to rule down here over the breathless dead. Uh, So for the Greeks, for the Greeks, you know, privilege and wealth in this world were good insofar as they could perhaps help you to live a longer life. Uh, But in the end, death destroys everything. 
And I think sometimes we get stuck in that attitude in our own culture. I don't think we're so much different than them. You know, we're terrified of death. Uh, And that's why I think Jesus' words are kind of jarring for us when he declares the least privileged people in this world uh, to be the blessed, the makarios, and those who are fully aware of their mortality and of their suffering and embrace it uh, in the hopes of somehow coming closer to the Lord, somehow in this world the least godlike by the standards of of our world, are invited to be imitators of God. I think we we as Christians know that the Beatitudes are in some way a fulfillment of the Ten Commandments. Yet if you drive, I don't know how often you drive up the Flathead Valley, but if you drive up there, there's just Ten Commandments signs everywhere. Everybody in the Flathead loves the Ten Commandments. They're reminding us that they're still in full effect. You better listen up. And... And why, is, why, why do we prefer that? Because you don't see a lot of beatitude signs you know, on the side of the road. And actually, St. Anne's, I was reminded, has one outside of our, of our church, which is interesting. It's kind of them side by side. And that's kind of reminding us, yeah, it is somewhat a fulfillment. But, but why, why do we talk more often about the Ten Commandments? I think it's because they're so much more clear and they're easier to understand. You know, there's eight shall nots. And there's, eight, and there's two shells. And, so it's, and then they're pretty clearly telling us very particular things that we need to not do and do. Uh, the Beatitudes, on the other hand, they're not even commandments. They're not commanding us to do anything. Uh, and so I think we, we, we sort of look at, them and look at them and say, what am I supposed to do with this, Lord? They just say, they, they make a statement of fact. Blessed are those who, you know, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. They're not commands forbidding sinful activity, but they're invitations into a new sort of life. Uh, invitations into, as as Saint Peter says in his letter, to become partakers in the divine nature. And so, if if the idea of being a partaker in the divine nature is no more clear than what I've said before, I'll try to get a little more practical here. Uh, for those of you who maybe attended the Veritas Forum that we had this past week, you remember that Dr. Clare, who did the presentation, he did an excellent job of exposing our culture's use of the word meaningful. Uh, when our culture uses the word meaningful, what do we mean by that? We use it as a sort of placeholder. It, it actually has no content. It doesn't, it doesn't have any particular meaning. Obviously, when I think of a thing as meaningful, it's important to me, but why? Uh, I don't think we have a good answer for that in our culture. And, and, that, and that's why I think this word in many ways for us is very similar to the word makarios for the Greeks, you know, the, the word blessed for the Greeks. And, and this is revealing because for the Greeks, no one was more fortunate in this life than Achilles. No one lived a more meaningful life than Achilles did. Uh, he was the hero. He was the hero of the whole nation. And yet, you ask him what his life meant, and it meant nothing. It was swallowed up by his death. He would have rather been a slave to continue living. And, and I think that's, it's similar for us when we, when we get caught up in seeking a meaningful life by the world's standards. You know, if we exceeded and accomplished every goal that we ever set out in our life, 
Uh, if, we, if, if we got the perfect job and had the perfect family and our life worked out exactly as we had planned, we would, we would still have the same questions we had before we began that journey. We would realize so quickly how fleeting and fragile and empty that all is uh, when, it's, when it's based on the wrong foundation. You know, the, the Hebrew translation of, of the this, this same word is beautiful, I think, what it means in English is to begin a good adventure. You know, blessed are those who begin a good adventure with the Lord. Uh, it's a great description of discipleship. So I think with this little background here, we can begin the study of the Beatitudes. Let's take a look at the first Beatitude. And it will be the only one that I talk about because otherwise we'll be here all day. So, the first Beatitude. Blessed are you who are poor... For the kingdom of God is yours. Given what we've talked about, what do, we, what do you think the Lord means here? Does he mean that literal poverty, physical poverty is a virtue? I think there's certain places in the world where poverty can be conducive to uh, the Christian life. Conducive to being dependent on the Lord. But I think if we look at our own country, we see that, that poverty in our country has temptations of its own. Uh, that, that it's sort of spiritually dangerous uh, to be in extreme poverty. I think when you're poor in a country full of riches and you're, and you're surrounded by wealth and it's looking you right in the face, the temptation towards envy is, might be even greater. Envy being, I want what you want and I don't want you to have it. Or the temptation toward avarice, which is, I will do whatever I can, whatever I need to, to get rich. I see that so much in our young people. Because they're faced with all this wealth, and, they, and, and it's, it's right in their face. And so poverty tempts us toward, toward the pursuit of this sort of meaningless life, and at the same time, the, the deck is stacked against us. Okay, so then if, if the Lord's not talking just about physical poverty, uh, what is he talking about? You know, in Matthew, he uses the phrase, poor in spirit. And I think that puts us on the right road. I think Jesus is telling us that, that to, to live the Beatitudes is to take on the attitude of someone who is extremely poor. In a sense, someone who is extremely poor is dependent on the goodness of others for their existence. And in the same way, we have to take the disposition in our spiritual life that we are totally dependent on the Lord for His blessings. That we know that we can't accomplish this all ourselves. We have no chance of getting to heaven on our own. It's not even something that we can go about beginning to accomplish without the help of the Lord. And so that's the, that's the disposition of poverty in spirit. Jesus lived this way. I mean, we can just read the Gospels. He says he's dependent on the Father for everything. Uh, he even says at one point, like, I have no place to lay my head. Jesus had no home in this world. Now, I know if you have the vocation to marriage, then you can't take on a literal poverty, life of poverty, to follow the Lord. That would actually be incredibly irresponsible. So don't even be tempted toward that. Say, kids, we're going out on the road. You know, that's not the way to do it. But we have to take on this disposition in our spiritual lives. Where, from where does our help come? It comes from the Lord. And, and we have to abandon ourselves to Him. 
in order that we might become partakers in divine nature, uh, taken up in the intimacy that the Lord is calling us to. And so I think this week, let's take another look at the Beatitudes. Uh, take a look at it with this different disposition. Uh, don't be intimidated by it. You know, approach them confidently. But also, in Luke's Gospel, maybe take a look at the woes, because I think they're helpful when the Lord says, Woe to you. He kind of gives us the contrast. Woe to you if you pursue the life that the world presents as a meaningful life. You know, this is what's going to end up happening. And then, blessed are you if you approach life with this abandonment to the Lord, uh, dependent on his blessings. Hopefully we can kind of begin anew this journey. Uh, Forget the empty promises of the world. Uh, They'll never bring us happiness. But turn toward that truly blessed and fortunate life that the Lord calls us to. Amen.